0: You hear what I'm telling you? In my mind, I created it. Don't you? I created it. And it's real. Don't you understand?
1: Welcome to Struggle Session. I am your host, Leslie Lee the Third. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Allison. Today, today we are answering your voicemails. You can send those voicemails to us at sesh.show. Be sure to like and subscribe. Hit us up on patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or strugglesession.substack.com, $5 a month, gets you all our episodes commercial-free and a bunch of bonus episodes, including one where we're talking about Alan Moore's Twilight of the Superheroes, with your boy Aaron from Trillbillies. That's coming up this weekend. Also, big news for Android users. Finally, my show Culture is available on Android, on the call-in app, because that's available on Android. I never have to use iOS again. You can find the show, get the call-in app on the App Store, on the Google Play Store, or or just go to 1900culture.com. They'll take you right to the page. You'll hear all the episodes. That's where you can talk to me live. But now let's get into these voicemails. This one is from Adam, and it's about our Kingdom Come episode.
0: All right from maryland here just wanted to give you a shout out for your kingdom come episode one of the most awesome uh, comics ever i just want to also give a shout out to dc direct they have a great line of kingdom come action figures they are really reminiscent of the justice society of america and the alex roth justice figures so you guys should check those out of are toy collectors. take care guys be safe
1: Thank you, Thanks, Thanks for you so much, Adam. You know, I don't really collect figures. Never, uh, I got a few as gifts, but I think about getting one just because I want one specifically for my desk. And I've been wondering, as you, Jack, what, what's like one cool action
2: figure? I'm not the biggest action figure guy myself. I will say though, I love to build Gundam. Gundam. I do. I'm a Gundam fan. I like the Gundam comics, and I like the or I like the the show. Um, and what I got that I love is an Ava. I got an Mm. AVA Unit 1, and there's something really appealing. It's like next-level Legos or something. (laughs) But I kind of agree with you that I've, like... I get the appeal of action figures. And even looking at these DC Direct, you know, Kingdom Come figures, I'm like, they are pretty cool looking, but I don't know. I just, for some reason, I don't know. Maybe I just, maybe I'm just not that into interior design or something, <laughs> you know? Like, I just don't ever really think about how to design my office in the first place. So, like, I just don't really, I don't know. I've never really, like, done done action figures. And in some ways, I thank God for that because I, I do feel like I'd be one of these people who need to fucking get every single one and i have too too many of them and shit like that but it's just the talents have never gotten in me uh, for action figures really I
1: don't know if I mentioned this on uh, Struggle Session but I was thinking back to before the Funko Pops actually came right there were these little mm. vinyl figures from Japan of these little different characters
2: and like kid robot and stuff like yeah, that.
1: Relax right? and Kuma and all this stuff. And
2: I did get really into buying all the kid robot, uh, South park, like blind box shit. And like, that was the one time I was like, man, like this blind box shit is doing it for me. Just spending $6 and not knowing which one's <laughs> going to be in there. Like the collector mindset really did take over, but I'm almost look back on that and I'm like, I can never do that yeah. again. it's like too dumb.
1: Yeah. But I knew this guy who was collecting all these little dolls and little figurines. And I kept asking him, like, why? Like, it was, like he kept posting them uh, <laughs> on this message board that we were on. And nobody could figure out, like, why are you collecting all this shit? And then, like, they made them all be like superheroes and characters from TV shows. And it's like, now everybody has a fucking Funko Pop now.
2: I know. And I also, I go to comic book stores now and I'm like, man, it's like comic book stores are now like 60% Funko Pops. Like it's GameStop 2 actually. They don't don't have space for fucking like graphic novels anymore because they have to have walls and walls of like completely identical characters that are just like painted slightly differently. I don't get it. If that's your thing, that's your thing. I buy plenty of stupid fucking shit, so I'm not judging or anything like that. But I don't understand Funko. I understand action figures, and like I've seen people with action figure collections, and I can look at action figures and be like, "Damn, that's cool." But Funko, just I don't fucking get it. You know the thing is, I I, for
1: because just because of my search history, I always get like updates on these figures that come out. I never buy them, but I always take a look. I'm like, oh. Toy technology has gotten pretty good
2: <laughs> since I was. They look like, sick, and yeah. a lot of that a lot of that comes from uh, from Todd oh, McFarlane, Todd. who basically stopped making comics and instead decided to just hand to like you know very make detailed craftings of like Bill and Ted action figures <laughs> and shit
1: like that. All right, on to our next voicemail. This is Tony Block. Uh, this is Tony Blanco, uh, also talking about comic books. All right.
0: Much has been made of Alex Ross and his, like, crazy rendered from photographs, airbrushed paintings that look like human beings stuck in these, like, poses. But, you know, you get a real sense of what this shit would look like in a real Hollywood blockbuster, kind of before the Marvel movies and everything else really made that possible. I would like to shout out Mark Wade. If you compare Mark Wade, he's kind of the original comic book nerd figures out a way to nicely distill everything about a character and just turn it into something that approximates it in a good way. Uh, You know, John Byrne was the reinvention guy and Jeff Johns does all that, but makes it incredibly complicated. Mark Wade keeps it simple, keeps it light or in this case dark, but you know, you know, Superman is pretty recognizably Superman and Batman. Like he knows who these characters are at their core level. And regardless of any of the other complications that you guys are going to talk about, um, Mark Wade, I feel, does a really good job of getting the characters right whenever he puts them out there. So well,
1: that's it, t- Tony. Thank uh, thank you so much for that call because that basically is what we end up saying. All the shows, like he did get Batman, he did get Superman. Whatever else I think about his writing or his comic book, he pretty much is the perfect comic book. Yeah, writer. He yeah. doesn't try to do more than that but he really does kind of nail some of those key things and you do have to uh, give it up to him for that you
2: know mark wade has a lot of the sort of you know hallmarks from kind of modern comic writers that i don't love so much like like he does have the thing where he's kind of so obsessed with the history of these characters and Sometimes you read a comic and you're like, "What is this even about in any with anything connected to the real world? Like it's only about the history of the characters It's or something only about like the that. comic yeah with that said, I feel like, uh, you know, compared to a Jeff Johns or, you know, even some work by Grant Morrison, I do think Mark Wade does it the most elegantly and sort of least pretentiously. It's funny, you know, it, we've taught we're talking so much lately about Kingdom Come because we did that Kingdom Come episode. And so I'm like, it's weird even to, to say that Mark Wade is not pretentious because Kingdom Come is like pretty close to <laughs> as pretentious as it comes. But. Uh, um, but I uh, I love his Flash run. I love just big, long Mark Wade runs. And, you know, even though I've, like, given Mark Wade a bit of a hard time for kind of just being one of those comic fans who writes comics, like, I do think that he is, is one of the best uh, um, at sort of still creating good stories within that. And also, like, he was a comic book editor who then turned comic book writer. And so you get that sense with him that he, like, you know, is sort of doing things within the company man. Mandate, date but but you know he's he's a he's you know he's one of these like workhorse guys that you know for 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 the big two that i do think does pretty good
1: yeah that's what i mean by perfect it's like if an editor was going to make a writer in a lab he would want he would want mark wade
2: yes that's right that's right and basically like that's what mark wade did to himself it's like he yeah. was an editor and he's like what would i want a writer to be like if i like if if i could come up with a writer maybe yeah, let me i'll be that
1: and next up, we have a call about our adaptations episode.
3: Hey, everyone. You all asked about uh, adaptations. I got to give a shout out to not just one of my favorite adaptations of all time, but one of my favorite movies, uh, Cloud Atlas. And, like, I know all the bad shit about that movie. I know they did a yellow face. I'm not saying they didn't. I'm not saying that movie didn't do some shit it shouldn't have done. But, like, I just, it's so, it's so, it's so weird. How can I not love it? I mean, I think the Wachowskis are, like, probably some of the greatest directors we've had in the past 10, 20 years. And then they took this book and they're like, let's make basically five different movies. And the idea of casting the same 10, eight to 10 people over the, all the stories. Well, again, it led it to yellowface and things that shouldn't have happened. But at the same time, it's just such a really fun experience and there's nothing really like it. I mean, it's such an engrossing movie and so much so emotional to see all these stories developing and connecting and then it made me want to read the book and the book is even better because the book can do things like multicasting thing up to your imagination but i gotta love cloud atlas you know like i, I gotta love a, i gotta love a movie that has tom hanks doing a stupid fucking accent <laughs> and killing like a critic i gotta i gotta give it up for that movie
2: are you trying to get me in trouble You know, my policy with Cloud Atlas has for all these years to be like the one movie that I that I that I actually can't share my feelings about. Um, I can't share how I feel about Cloud Atlas for the reasons that you said uh, that there's a lot. There are mistakes in Cloud Atlas. There are regrettable things that, you know, maybe aren't okay uh, and that we don't do anymore and stuff like that. But
1: well, we didn't do then. Either it's I, know, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. That's so why funny.
2: I can't share my opinion about Cloud Atlas. All right,
1: next up, we have another Wachowski's related question.
0: Hey, first time, long time. So, which movie do you think did the whole
4: Trapped in a Digital Universe sequel that shouldn't have existed, Warner Brothers is the real villain of the movie, thing better, The Matrix Resurrections, or Space Jam 2? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Warner is not the villain of Space Jam 2. Warner, Al G. Rhythm is the villain of Space Jam 2.
1: Uh, I haven't seen I haven't seen the first Space Jam or the second Space Jam, and I've actually I'm proud of that. I my plan <laughs> is to never see a Space Jam.
2: Yeah, I, I you know Leslie, I I've seen them both, and I think Space Jam Two makes Space Jam One look like Roger Rabbit. That's how that's how bad Space Jam Two is. Although it is funny that you say this caller, you know, because it makes me feel like you know maybe Neo could have escaped the Matrix and then found out that he was still in the server verse. You know maybe. <laughs> (laughs) neo gets out of the matrix and then finds himself ringside at the tune squad game and he's like oh no another one uh jack Jack, uh
1: do you forget that the new protagonist of the matrix is literally bugs bunny
2: i mean and and i quite love that actually and there's a line in the movie we miss saying this in the episode but when neo is waking up from they when they get him out of the matrix again bugs literally says what's up doc when Neo is, like, waking up, she's talking to the doctor. She's like, what's up, doc? Uh, which I love that. I, we, I, we'll we never see eye to eye on this new Matrix. And I think you're right about a lot of the stuff you said about it. And I think about a lot of that stuff. But I also love that movie so much. I, I mean, I'm, I don't love the movie movie of it. I do think you're right that it's a Christmas special and it doesn't look as good. And when I watch it, I'm like... Man, this is the series that built an entire highway to do an action sequence. And like, we're just like in a coffee shop or whatever. But I think the script for Matrix Resurrections, you know, written by, you know, Lena and the Cloud Atlas guy. I think that script fucking kicks ass. I really do. Even if there are some COVID era, you know, issues with the actual uh, visual storytelling.
1: You know, here's the thing. There's, there's a lot of stuff suffering from COVID era. It's true. They need an asterisk. It all needs an asterisk. Yeah, and uh, I don't give any, like,
2: breaks on it. I don't give a <laughs> shit. Make it
1: smaller. Switch it up.
2: I don't care. Don't make it look bad. Don't I make get, it look I bad. give breaks, and I especially give a break to The Matrix. And also, I feel like... Like, I also feel like they they just like whatever the president of movies came to all these filmmakers and they were like, we need people back in theaters like today. Like they came to like Lena Wachowski like, you know, she was like chopping wood, you know, in a in a hilltop somewhere or something like that. And the president of movies is like, we need you back for one last job. Like we need people back in the movie theaters. Johnny Knoxville, you know, was in retirement and they came and they're like, we need you. We need you one more time.
1: Turns out the only fucking thing they needed to do was put out that new Spider-Man because that's the oh, only I movie know. they. Might yeah, but even then, see. even
2: them, they they like went to Tobey Maguire and they're like, "We need you for one last job." <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, by the way, I watched that movie. I will admit that that movie did work for me better than a lot of the Marvels, even though I hated it a lot, and the plot is quite stupid, and the tone is fucking horrible. I do like Willem Dafoe Green Goblin, and I like Alfred Molina, you know, Doc Ock, and so it did hit some of those nostalgia buttons that I think other people get hit just from all the Marvel movies, but the thing I thought was most wild is, like, you're, like, two hours into this movie. First of all, it's just way too insanely long, and Tobey Maguire shows up, and you're, like, wow, like... That's how an actor is. Everyone's been talking so fast and Joss-like for this <laughs> entire movie, and this man shows up, and they won't get a fast take out of him. He's, like, taking his time. He, like, moves his eyes and talks slow, and I'm like, wow, what a breath of fucking fresh That's air. so like, funny.
1: <laughs> I can see it. I can see it.
2: All right. Next up, we have friend of the show and
1: upcoming guest, Alex. Worldwide killer mm. with it theory he wanted to drop on us. Oh, boy.
2: It was a long one, too.
4: <laughs> it's your boy, B-O-I, emphasis on by Alex, worldwide traveler, right. And, uh, I don't know, Leslie uh, messaged, or no, he fucking did a goddamn reply <laughs> or something. I don't know, I'm drinking, I'm at the bar. And I'm telling people my very correct opinion, that uh, Lana Wachowski, she uh, fucking, basically, the Matrix Resurrection is to the Disney Star Wars what Evangelion is to First Gundam. It's the perfected form. And uh, if you want to go point by fucking point mm. by point on this it. shit, I do, do
1: I do. I don't
4: give a shit. Fucking, because guess what? I'm fucking right. You look at fucking, you know, General Governess, whatever the fuck, uh, <laughs>
0: Niobis,
4: and you look at fucking General Organa, uh, you look at how fucking... Finn's evolution versus the new fucking Morpheus, as far as uh, new Morpheus was yeah. just an agent that fucking, you know, oh my God,
0: what That's the fuck? True.
4: Oh, shit's different. Oh, wait, this is who the fuck I am versus Finn, who like wakes, you know, is like, oh my God, I'm a fucking stormtrooper. This is fucked up. I'm a fucking sexless, nerd. <laughs> fucking Bugs Bunny, Capoe fucking Dameron. Motherfucking on and on and on. Uh, yeah I'm sorry and guess what anytime that the movie sucked I mean I know it's a self you know it's it's easy as hell to say you know well of course it would suck but that's what Lana said she said yeah of course it would suck <laughs> now I have my complaints fucking you know the whole video conceit video game conceit ran rang fucking false uh, because god damn it, it could have uh you know they should have like just had some like Metal Gear fucking you know graphics over the fucking old cutscenes. Ah, and then yeah, as, true. Actually, have a UI. Who the fuck he was, you know? Then that could have been the thirty-five millimeter, which once again, showing in the same movie, would have been a fucking mistake for anyone else. That's not what the fuck they were doing. They were saying if and when this does suck. Of course it fucking would, <laughs> because that's what we're fucking getting, fucking humping the doorknob of fucking nostalgia. And that might seem cynical or whatever, but that's what the fuck she did. And uh God bless her for it, because it was fucking great. Okay? And you look at fucking Ray and her whole, whole arc, where, oh, you know, why's the force got to be so male? Well, why's the one got to be so fucking male? Fucking Boom! Love fucking wins. Fight for the things you love, not the things you hate. Fuck you. Love fucking wins. Fuck my fucking family. I'm getting together with fucking Neo running goddamn wild. Anyway, yeah, feel free. I mean, what's Bug Bane got to say? I haven't heard anything from fucking Bug Bane. I got to say that about the fucking New Matrix. And I feel like it's because I've said anything that anyone could. But anyway, have a fabulous day.
2: That's right. Awesome
1: call, Alex. He'll be on the show very, very soon. Lots
2: to digest. Lots to digest. A lot I agree with. A lot I, I deeply agree with and, and and really like a lot. You know, um, yeah, I... I, I it that move again? I've said I've said this. I don't think I said it on our episode, Leslie. But I feel like the thing that's close, what's cl- Matrix Resurrections is closest to, is like a South Park episode. It's like a joke. It's like actually got like a, a sort of jokey plot to it that I that I like, and you know, the Robot Chicken. Yeah, like uh, it's like a parody. Matrix. Like it's a parody. It's a parody. I mean, of, yeah.
1: The, I mean, the, I think
2: that's basically you the don't same like thing. That, I, had. you know, but I, and I do like
1: it is more like I will accept that for coming to America 2. I don't accept that for Matrix. I accept
2: it for Matrix because it's, you know, they are actually, you know, doing it's 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 such a it's such an insane thing that the actual director of an actually huge franchise returned to actually make a sequel parodying how they make sequels to giant franchises like i wouldn't have liked this if it was like the lord and miller 21 jump street you know different directors making a commentary like it works because it's lana doing it like and and i don't know i think it's great the new scream also while while i think a lot of the kills aren't quite as good kind of does do a good job also commenting on you know this uh the new fucking world of sequel reboots and stuff like that you know
1: I think that was wasn't that Scream 2 and
2: then well three that's the thing though is that Scream four. 2 and 3 had rules that happen in sequels but the rules have actually changed in the recent years like our new sequel reboots the passing the torch bullshit the, the Force Awakens of it all the Ghostbusters of it all the rules have changed and so finally Scream had new rules to comment on that I don't think they have like since like the 90s pretty much Oh, I would like a movie about, like, a serial killer who's, like, chopping up teenagers and stuff. Well, I mean, come on. You have to buy it with Scream because Scream has always been that. Like, Scream from the beginning. I think it just was
1: better, so much better at the first two. uh, once Once you got to three and four, four is just... I really, I really love the first two, but three and four and five. Once you lose, I mean, and you don't have Wes Craven anymore, so five's like,
2: better than four. I you, think, I think five accomplishes a lot better what some of the stuff like four set out to do. I think five, I had a better time with them accomplishing some of that stuff. But you know, I also saw it in the theaters, and I'm, I'm, I'm also being like probably a lot nicer to movies in the theaters because I'm just so fucking glad to be back
1: in the theaters these days. <laughs> All right, and next up, Dylan has a call about
5: fandom. Hey, uh, Jack and Leslie, longtime listener, first-time caller. You know, I have an online friend that actually worked on the initial production run of Justice League that eventually became the theatrical cut, and um, he also worked on another children's movie about a certain furry blue rodent. <laughs> and I'll never forget one of the things he told me, which was that he didn't hear anything about toxic fan bases when a bunch of fans all got together and corralled the studio into delaying the film and putting them all into crunch because they didn't render the blue rodent, right. (laughs) And then shut down their studio as soon as they were done. Um, It really put things into perspective to me, knowing just how selective people get about the argument of toxic fan bases. And because it's such a nebulous thing that you can never truly prove how it winds up getting weaponized against fan bases that are even as progressive and diverse as Snyder cut fandom. What are your thoughts on, um, the accusations of toxic fan bases? Um, how responsible do you think creators are for their toxic fan bases and how much gravity do you give to these kinds of descriptions?
1: All fandom is toxic uh, the creators have little to no res- control over it. So that limits the responsibility in general. And uh, how do you give credence to it? You, you, you just can't. You just Here, can't. just think. the Bernie Bro thing yeah. <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. What this to- fandom that I don't like is toxic, but the one I do like when they send death threats to somebody is like cool because I like that shit or wh-
2: I like that fandom or whatever. It's. I think what's going to happen very soon is you might see Chris Pratt get called back in to re record the Mario lines with an Italian accent after the first trailer comes out and he doesn't sound like Mario.
1: All right. And our final call, John, with a question about our, with a comment about our episode on Joss Whedon's New Yorker Magazine profile.
6: Hey, what's up? Uh, This is John Derringer from ScreenSlate. Calling in about uh, Joss Whedon. And I just wanted to say, um, I think, you know, he probably killed a kid. It's a strange thing for him to have revealed in his profile that when he was five, a four year old boy mysteriously died while they were playing together. And, you know, I think the assumption is is probably that. You know, what he says is that he walked away and then the kid uh, tragically drowned and he's dealt with these feelings of guilt that it's his fault. But, you know, I feel like maybe this is the killer kind of bragging, kind of trying to kind of begging to get caught as one uh, sometimes does. I actually think a similar thing about about Woody Allen. I think he totally uh, has had people killed and that's what movies like Crimes and Misdemeanor are about. So that's my theory. Uh again, uh legal disclaimer, not not a fact. Yeah. Uh just uh, a <laughs> personal speculation. But um you know, sounds like a guy who's really really dark and I I think that darkness uh that was revealed is is darkness beyond simply being um passive party to this kind of tragedy. Yeah. But perhaps being uh actively having a hand in it anyway uh thanks for inviting me to call in uh the website is Screenslate and we're launching a new podcast uh about like kind of like the new york film scene repertory films classic movies stuff like that uh so check it out and uh stay safe out there and uh don't uh don't spend any time alone with Joss Whedon,
1: mm-hmm. or Woody
6: Allen. Apparently.
2: Yeah, you wow. know, um, uh, Stay
1: safe out there covering the New York film yeah, scene. With that, I
2: know that you might you might you might find a wild Woody Allen out there for covering the New York film scene. You know that's that's dangerous. Um, I'd like yeah. to add an additional uh, of course, uh, legal a parody. Uh, yeah. comedy. This is a comedy podcast. Comedy All podcast. of that was in parody. Comedy calls. Even yes. these are comedy calls. Comedy calls. And we Thank also so have no resp- bear no responsibility for the calls, and uh, we don't uh, whatsoever. We didn't vet these we didn't listen to these ahead of time and in fact i chastised the caller for even saying that how dare you how dare you say how such a thing about about joss whedon how dare you say that um you know i i will say this it's a truly fucking strange thing to to Volunteer in your like trying to get back in everyone, everyone's good graces, pro, uh, um, you know, profile that at the very least you manslaughtered a kid, so it's a little strange, <laughs> it's very
1: strange. And like, there, I'm surprised people haven't hooked on to it because it's just like it's an incomplete story. Yeah. Like, I've watched enough true crime, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm basically a mind hunter at yeah. this point, I always know. <laughs> when there's a missing piece of the puzzle and that's not the whole story that's not what happens. that's just not what happens what happens in those scenarios is usually some sort of murder and then murder is coming No, i, I, not, I think what, what later. I, if i'm
2: reading behind the, between the lines this journalist asked joss a tough question he was like let me come to the bathroom and he came back and he's like you know you can disappear in a river You know, the the tough questions continue. And uh, there was one time when I was around a kid in a river and then uh, he actually died. So just uh, just to let you know.
1: Fuck. (laughs) Well, folks, thank you so much for your voicemails. You can leave us more at sesh.show. Peace.